So we're here today with Alex the Cat Nurse. I first met Alex at a behavioural conference and we're here today at International Cat Care's Feline Behaviour Conference over in Stratford-upon-Avon. So Alex, as I said, Alex is a registered veterinary nurse. She's based in Milton Keynes, has been working with cats for over 20 years, has a real focus on feline-friendly environments and behaviours. Alex has a Facebook page which has lots of great information, um, over 6,000 followers as well, so do check that out. So Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for asking me to uh, come along. Oh, my pleasure. So we've had a few questions that people have sent in. Um, one of the things is about overweight cats. A lady was okay. saying that her cat is overweight and doesn't like to play much. Do you have any tips for her to engage the cat a bit more? To get it, sort of, in particular reference to playing? Or, well... Or just yeah. general weight loss? I mean, I think with cats, um, we're very good at giving them um, good diets, you know, feeding them um, well and giving them good nutrition, but we don't always think about how and when we feed cats. So, um, if you think about uh, what the uh, African wild cat, which is where the ancestry from all our pet cats lies, where it lies... Um, they would hunt, you know, several times a day and eat probably ten small meals a day of mice or right. birds or whatever. Um, and our pet cats are still programmed to eat like that. Sure. So we need to think about mimicking that um, way of feeding cats rather than just putting their food in a bowl twice a day. Sure. Because they're not designed to eat like that. They're designed to um, hunt alone and they're designed to eat alone and they're designed to work for their food. Yeah. So a really good way of doing that is to puzzle feed cats. Okay. Um, now, cats do, uh, cats being cats, they do have their own preferences. Mm -hmm. So what works for one cat might not work for another. Sure. And there's different, um, lots of different types of puzzle feeders. You can buy them and you can make them as well. There is um, a really good web website. I think it's just called foodpuzzlesforcats.com. Okay. Um, and the International Cat Care website, if you just put iCatCare um, puzzle feeding, it comes up with lots of different ways that you can puzzle feed cats. So, you, for instance, you can make a really basic one in a home environment, which would be an egg box yeah. that you'd put dry food in, sure. and the cat has to use its paw to get the food out. Um, or you can get some really fancy ones that you can buy where they have to work out how to open sure. things. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, or it could be something as simple as a treat ball where you put the food in the ball and the cat uses its nose to yeah. knock it about. But most cats do enjoy puzzle feeding because they are used to or programmed to work for their food. Yeah. And they're quite good puzzle solvers as sure. well. Um, now, I do have some people that will say, oh, I tried it with my cat and she didn't like it. But you kind of have to help them a bit yes. and start with the easy stuff. Yeah. and then build up to the more difficult Absolutely. way um, and actually I feed my cats um, probably four or five times a day and three quarters of those feeds are puzzle feeding nice. okay. feeds if you like Yeah. Um, and they seem to really enjoy it so that can be quite good if you're trying to get a cat to lose weight and to be um, a bit more engaged when yeah. it comes to eating and also it helps with boredom and anxiety and yeah. things like that too so Brain. yeah, it's a really good way to feed cats yeah brain stimulation as well exactly. like you said they'd be hunting they'd be searching for foraging food yeah and using their paws and obviously and that's a bit yeah. of exercise as well exactly oh. i mean there is other things you can do like um hiding food around the house it could be as simple as you measure out the cat's food and you should, we should be measuring their yes. food rather than just shoving it all in a bowl guesstimating, and, uh, guesstimating mm -hmm. it exactly yeah. 
Um, it might be that you just hide that food in different areas around the house and that cat has to go and find it. Okay, cool. And then you can also get little puzzle feeders. There's one called a Dock and Phoebe, which is like a little um, mouse with a little plastic thing inside it and you put the food in that and then hide that. Ah, I think they're still one today, actually. Yes, they had, them, they had them here, yeah. They're quite good. There's loads out there. And you can, you can use wet feeds or puzzle feeds. Um, with things like licky mats as well, yes. the textured mats, yeah. Yeah, they're more common for dogs, but there's lots of things, I think, for dogs that cats can have as well, Absolutely. enrich their lives, as long yeah. as, like you say, they're um, easy enough at the beginning for them to use and they can yeah. work it out, otherwise it might be frustrating for them. Yeah. Um, so another lady uh, messaged us and she said she's interested in becoming a vet nurse Mm. And she wondered if you had any tips to help her decide whether it was a career for her. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think you need to go and see practice several times would be my advice. Um, You can get lots of information about becoming uh, a vet nurse from the BVNA website. I think it's just um, www.bvna.com. .org.uk I think British Veterinary British Veterinary Nursing Association yeah Um, and the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons um, there's something on their website as well but actually I think if you want to know if it's for you you need to go and experience it yeah Um, and that would involve I would suggest doing a week or two in um, two or three different practices Mm -hmm. so that you can see um, the similarities but also the differences with some places as well yeah and make sure that you're not you know blood phobic needle phobic sure. scared of clearing up sick and, sick <laughs> and all the lovely stuff that we yeah. have to do um, so I think yeah get stuck in uh, that would be my advice well you've yeah. been doing it for 20 years so you must love it must I be, do most of the time yeah it must be emotionally <laughs> quite taxing as well of course yeah. imagine there's lots of focus on self care and looking after yourself because it's uh, yeah, absolutely I think um, we've been not great at recognising things like burnout yeah. and, and, and stress and anxiety and depression in the veterinary profession, but the last, I think the last five years, it's really improved, yeah. and we're quite good at helping each other and looking yeah. after each other, so yeah. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can't pour from an empty cup, you have to look after exactly. yourself. Exactly, no, that's it, that's it. You can't help others, including animals, if you don't look after your own mental health, so yeah. really important, yeah. Um, a lady said... Um, that she had um, that cats hide pain so yeah. it can be hard to notice if your cat's in pain yeah. as compared to dogs why is that, why do cats hide their pain the reason they hide their pain is because they are essentially programmed to be these little self-sufficient survivalists right. so what I mean by that is what I was talking about earlier where their, their ancestry lies with this African wild cat and that cat is programmed to basically look after itself to get food, get water, get shelter, to stay safe. And um, it wouldn't be in that cat's best interest to show that it was ill or in pain because that means it could be more vulnerable, more likely to get attacked by predators. So we always think of cats as being these really good, um, effective little predators, which they are. Well, my cats aren't, but (laughs) most cats are. Um, But actually they're prey animals as well, and a lot of people forget about that because we don't think of them in that context in a home environment sure. um, so they hide pain because they feel that they kind of have to so that nobody knows that they're ill just in case it affects right. oh, bless their them. ability to survive yeah. yeah so that's why they hide pain so and they can be difficult to assess when they're yeah when they're in pain I heard of an app I think it's the University of Lincoln bringing out um, 
to measure paint, painting cats, like the signs, the body language Paint score, yeah. So there are some paint scores um, uh, scales available out there now, and there is, there is a new one coming out soon. Um, the one I use at the moment at work is called the Glasgow Composite yeah. Paint Score. Um, that's quite a useful tool, but there's loads of different ones, and they are a little bit subjective. Like, you might say, oh, I think this cat scores are three, and I might say, oh, actually, I think it's a five. Sure. Um, but I think it will be useful um, to not just use them in practice, but to get owners to pain score yeah. or recognise signs of pain in cats in a home environment because it's very different to a dog, yeah. like, what the, like what the lady was saying. Yeah. Um, so they'll often hide, uh, won't seek contact, won't show normal behaviours like um, grooming right. or um, you won't go and use their tray. You know, they'll just be outside, you know, yeah. um, because they're just trying to hide the fact that they're not well or in pain. Yeah. So really important to, we need to know get better. monitoring them, yes. Exactly. Sorry about the door shutting here. We're in a, a hotel lobby where the <laughs> International Cat Care Conference is being held. Apologies for that. Um, do you have any tips for elderly cats and caring for them? So obviously cats can live into their 20s. They so. can. And actually, I think nowadays we see a lot more cats that do live into their late teens and early 20s, which is great. Um, but their needs do change yeah. when they become older. Like us all. <laughs> like us all, no, absolutely. So what you tend to find with um, older cats is you'll get um, physical changes and behavioural changes. So physical changes is they um, will... A lot of cats suffer with um, osteoarthritis. Right. So about 90% of cats over the age of 12 have osteoarthritis, but because they're good at hiding pain, we don't notice it. Yeah. And what owners might... Um, notices perhaps the cat plays a bit less perhaps it doesn't hunt or go out as much or perhaps it doesn't um or perhaps it's maybe a bit grumpy when they try to handle it and things right. like that um is that when their bones are painful yeah right? yeah yeah so it's like inflammation of of their of their joints um so we see that a lot so if you're looking after an elderly cat it's quite important to think about something could be something really basic like can it get in and out of its litter tray yeah. easily do I need to have cut a lip out of the bottom of the tray uh-huh. so the cat can get in or put a little ramp so the nice. cat can yeah. get in easily? Or um, if you're feeding an older cat, actually, do you need to raise that bowl up yeah. so that the cat... Because a lot of them get what's called spondylosis in their neck, so it's like little bony deposits on their spine, right. which makes it more difficult to flex the neck. Uh-huh. Um, so you might want to raise their, their bowl. Or it might be something as basic as that cat struggles going up and down the stairs... Therefore, we're going to put all the resources on the bottom, um, bottom. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, level of right. that house. Sure. So we know we've got to, we know we've got to spread out resources with, with cats. They don't like them all together. Yeah. But it still needs to be easy for that old cat to access. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that's really, really important. And dental pain's another big one with older yeah. cats. Um, and again, they'll hide their pain. Yeah. So I would say if someone's got a cat that's um, over the age of about 12, um, at least two vet checks a year, um, if not three, and one of those could be with a nurse, so we could talk to them about you know, nutritional needs, have a look at the teeth, yep. see if we need to um, refer them to the vet to possibly have some dentistry done, yeah. talk about uh, m- the mobility of the cat, um, and then talk about the behavioural needs of those cats as well, because some cats, when they get older, they can effectively get senility, so it's, right. called, um, it's called cognitive dysfunction syndrome. So you get a lot of cats that will get a bit kind of lost and a bit, a bit like a senile person. Right. They don't know what, what's going on, and you know, sure. um, they can get confused and they can yell through the night and right. all these kind of things. 
Um, and so with those cats, routine is really important. Yeah, absolutely. They and like routine. letting them out. If they're going out, then they might get lost, not come home. Absolutely. Yeah. And they can get quite vulnerable as well. So um, you might have a cat that's traditionally held its territory really well in the garden. And then there's another cat on the scene. Right. And because that cat's now older, perhaps a bit arthritic, um, it can't defend its territory. So, and they do get a bit more needy when yeah. they get older, a lot of cats. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, that's really helpful. Thank you. There's quite a lot of good information on the iCat Care website Brilliant. about older cats, geriatric cats, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, my cat hates going into the carrier. Do you have any tips for those vet visits, those really important vet visits that cats yeah. have to have? This is a common one. I get a lot of owners that will phone up and say, um, I'm going to have to cancel my appointment because I couldn't get the cat in its carrier. Yeah. So really with that, prevention is better than cure. And in an ideal environment, and I appreciate this doesn't happen very often, you would habituate that cat as a kitten right. to get it used to the carrier. Sure. Oh. <laughs> that was a bit noisy. Um, so that would be the best thing to do because then for that kitten, when it grows up into a cat, it's not a big deal. However, in reality, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so what you might have to do is just get that cat used to the carrier being around yeah. and make it a bit more of a positive experience, which is what you'd do if it was a kitten anyway. So an, an example of that is rather than just get the carrier out, carrier out when it's time to go to the vets yeah. and then the cat goes, <gasps> hold on a minute, last time that carrier was out, I had a really unpleasant experience and then they run off. Sure. Or, or the owner gets scratched trying to push the cat into the carrier, which yeah. obviously you want to avoid is you leave that carrier out yep. all the time with a nice bed in it, yep. perhaps use a bit of Feliway um, spray, make sure you do that at least 15 minutes before the cat has contact with it because it has a bit of an alcohol kind of base. Sure, um, right, okay, thank you. And you could, you could put treats in the carrier, you could feed the cat in the carrier, you might want to play, if you've got a very playful cat, you could play with it in and yeah. around the carrier. And then for a lot of cats, they will use their carrier as like a little safe place uh-huh. somewhere they can go to relax and chill out. Nice. Um, if you have a cat that's really, really fearful of that carrier, you could take the lid off to start. Uh-huh. If, it, if it is a top-loading one or one where that you can do that. You recommend top-loading? Always, yeah. yeah. Top-loading carriers and ideally ones that do actually come apart. Right. Because it makes my job a lot easier yeah. at the vets if I can get the lid off. Of course, examining them. Yeah. yeah. Some, some cats will in. do. Yeah, they'll stay in their carrier. So, yeah. um, you know, that makes my life a lot easier if I can just take the lid off. Yeah. Um, and then you could just gradually get that cat used to, you could shut the door for a, literally for a few seconds give it some treats open the door make the cat feel like it's in control yeah you know of what's going on and it's not getting stressed and then gradually you build that up to walking around the house for maybe sure. 30 seconds with the door shut and then do that for a few days or weeks and then eventually you'd be sitting in the car do you see what I mean so it's yeah. like a gradual build up to that cat going in the carrier and going to the vets. Do you think you can start that with older cats? I think you can help. I, you can definitely help to, so that they're not seeing that carrier and just running off yeah. every time they see it and going, oh my God, I'm not going in there. Mm. It is more difficult once that cat has got that kind of aversion. Yeah. It, so that's why it's better to do it when they're a kitten. Yeah. But you can definitely train them how to go in their carrier. And there's a really good... good um, I cat care has done a really good YouTube... Um, demonstration on, on YouTube on the YouTube channel um, that I think it's Sarah Ellis um, the oh, yeah. feline behaviourist shows how okay. to train your adult cat to use its carrier yeah. and actually what she does is she starts them off on um, 
a blanket first and then that blanket goes inside the carrier and then right. it progresses that way. It's all staged. And at any point, if the cat gets distressed, then you stop and go back a stage. Sure. That's really important yeah. rather than just shoving. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. as a rest, kind of rescue way of doing it, I get a lot of owners that will phone up and say, I need to come in now. Um, I will try sometimes to say, look, forget about it today. We'll make you another appointment right. for the next day. But if for any reason we can't, um, I will say wrap that cat in a towel and then just gem- gently put it into the carrier, sure. ideally with someone else um, sort of holding the carrier for you yeah. so it doesn't move around. Mm. Um, but I think if it's got to the point where the cat's super stressed and running off or the owner's getting scratched, I personally would leave it for that day and think about rebooking if possible. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, yeah. It does depend. Absolutely. Yeah, circumstances. Um, so a lady has come in and said that she has two cats and sometimes they fight. Mm. Um, do you have any tips to restore harmony? Obviously, I guess speak to a behaviourist if yeah. they ruled out any medical conditions, but any other things that might be... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a... It depends on the kind of context, yes. really, and the situation. Um, and yes, you're right, you should always rule out any medical problems because that can sometimes be the underlying reason as to why there's an issue. Mm. Um, so you do that first, get a vet check. But I think if you've got a multi-cat household, one of the main things you need to consider is making sure that each cat has got easy access to all its own resources. Yes. So by that I mean a food bowl and a water bowl away from the other cat. Yeah. Because, as I said before, cats are solitary eaters, they're solitary hunters and they're solitary eaters. So that's really important. Um, but also having a, a litter tray. So you'd want to aim really for one tray per cat plus a spare. Right, nice, okay. And that's, um, in fact, that's the same for all your resources, really. Um, so we want to have... They, they need to be able to access all of these places or all of these things with potentially out without having to bypass another cat. Right. Um, that also includes things like scratching posts and places to sleep yeah. and rest. Yeah. so they can feel safe um, because they are naturally quite territorial and if there's competition for those resources that's when you're more likely to get conflict in right. a multi-cat household yeah. um, there are a, a few other things that might help so Feliway do Feliway Friends now which is um, slightly different to Feliway Classic it mimics the pheromone that the mum releases when she's feeding her queens right um, so Fillyway Classic is quite good for if there's um, it helps cats feel a bit more calm and secure in an environment if they feel a bit threatened so it's quite good for territorial issues sure um, but um, if you've got conflict in a multi-cat household some owners find Fillyway Friends quite oh, useful for that as well okay. um, it's not going to solve no. the problem yeah. and it's important to for owners to understand that it's not you're not going to plug it in and then everything's going to be yeah <laughs> perfect yeah. but it is I do think it's it's useful yeah so they're probably the main I mean there's lots of other things you can do but I would say spreading out the resources yeah is super duper important there is a um, a document called um, the ISFM and AAFP feline environmental needs guidelines okay bit of a mouthful and on that document, there's something called the five pillars of a healthy feline environment. Right. And I, I use it a lot when I do nurse consults. Yeah. And I've given it, if I've had a really committed owner, I've given them a copy of this document and gone through the five pillars with them. Okay. Um, and it's all the things that a cat needs to be happy and healthy and right. not really stressed okay. in a home environment. 
Oh wow! So I'll I'll put a link to that on the put uh, a link to it because I think it's yeah it's a brilliant document and I use it all the time. So brilliant! Thank you so much, Alex. That's all right. You're welcome today, and uh, it was a real pleasure to speak to you and get some tips and advice. And I'm sure everyone will find it really helpful. I hope it's been useful. Thank you. So if you want to check out Alex's um, Facebook page, she can be found at Alex the Cat Nurse, and she's also on Instagram. 